Hi guys, and welcome back to our second part of the Tracy Triangle. I'm your host, Jamie. And I'm your host, Nicole. So today I'm taking you back into Tracy, California, a town that is absolutely insane with a new true crime story that I think you guys are going to hate just like I do. <laughs> if you guys are ready to be tortured, strap in and listen up because this story is horrific. All right, Jamie, let's go. December 1st, 2008, a night just like any other at a gym in Tracy, California. Someone was checking people in at the desk, cleaning the machines, answering phones. Nothing was out of the order. Nothing was out in the ordinary. That was until a boy showed up, screaming for help. The boy was around 16 years old, but incredibly small and now. The boy was around 16 years old, but incredibly small and malnourished. He maybe weighed 100 pounds and his head was shaved and he was bloody and bruised. He was only wearing a pair of, he was only wearing a pair of gray boxers and it had a chain attached to his leg. Later on, four people would be charged in connection with the boy. But how did this happen? How does a 16-year-old boy end up running for his life and how do people commit the actions that caused his pain? And how did the town neglect this boy? How did he escape? This is the story of Kyle Ramirez. Kyle is originally from Sacramento, California, and he lived with his mom, Susan Barrett. It's not quite known how the guardianship transferred to Karen Ramirez. Some say it was because the, um, Ramirez wanted to collect public assistance. Others say she was like the, um, Karen sold her children to her, but we're not really 100% sure. So for a long time, Karen, Kyle, and Kyle's brother lived with another woman in Pleasanton named Karen Cockrell before moving in with Michael Schumacher and Kelly Lau. At first, Kyle was used as little more than a nanny for the couple's two-year-old son, and was responsible for feeding the dog and cleaning up. The abuse started slowly with Kyle. Ramirez was the first one to hit him, and it was just with her hands over a minor dispute about him not doing his chores. But soon the beatings got worse and worse, and the other adult from the household joined in. Lau was really upset that the boy had stayed in the house for so long, and was upset because the chores were not getting done, or in her mind, not getting done correctly. It graduated from their hands to anything they could get their hands on. Belts, a hammer, even a meat cleaver. The group eventually settled on a metal aluminum baseball bat, and that became the group's favorite torture device. When the group first started to restrain Kyle, they used zip ties and gave him marijuana and other pills to keep him docile. Halloween 2008, they switched to chains and had him attached to the coffee table before eventually moving him to the fireplace. All while barely feeding him, he survived stealing food and water or the grace of the couple's two-year-old daughter who would steal Halloween candy for him or a cup of water. Only Ramirez was allowed to feed Kyle and usually it would be leftover scraps after everyone else was done eating. Kyle would be attached to the table and forced to watch if everyone had a great meal and he would get the scraps. The group just ended up blaming all of their problems on Kyle. In court, Kyle said Karen would rub it in and everything. Just so she would seem like she was the perfect parent, and I would seem like I'm the person that caused her to lose her home. That was the story that she told the Schumachers, 
that she lost her home because of me. Because I was a thief and everything, and she had to pay these bills off. They called Kyle a problem child, said he was bossing their children around. And when Kyle would start to smell, they would give him a weekly cleaning. They would hose him down in the backyard like an animal and pour hot water from a pitcher onto his head. Group would burn Kyle often, putting the aluminum bat that I talked about earlier in the fire and beating him with it. Another time, he was forced to sit as they poured lighter fluid on him and waited over 40 minutes, letting the liquid burn his skin and the fumes burn his lungs before being hosed down in the backyard. Uh, that is a horrible way to go. Yeah, can you imagine as these people are already caging you up like an animal, not feeding you, beating you almost daily, and then like what's what's next you know you're just in your head you're just what's next this is the time they're gonna kill me no this is the time they're gonna kill me god that that literally sends like i have like goosebumps i have goosebumps all over my arms thinking about that like that's that's just it that's horrible and like i said he he was a minor when this was happening like a really like he was very very small when he finally did escape like, yeah, I'm sure malnutrition, was, too. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, because they weren't feeding him. So they did a lot more things to him, but um, now I'm going to talk about how the state failed Kyle. Because, you know, how could this horrible situation not be helped? How did no one notice or call the police? So Kyle had a brother, like I said, and he was also getting abused, except his brother Austin was removed from the house after the daughter called the cops to report the abuse. I don't know why the police didn't remove Kyle as well. And Kyle said the authorities just really didn't do anything, and he continued to get abused. A year later, Ramirez was arrested on a warrant related to the abuse of Austin, Kyle's brother. During this time, Kyle was placed temporarily in a children's receiving home in Sacramento. He was only there for three weeks before he was placed back with Ramirez. At this time, the daughter had been in contact with Kyle, and she told him that Ramirez would find people to come and kill him and his brother if he did not return. As we know, Kyle went back to live with Ramirez, but how he left the home is just weird because he just disappeared. According to the state, they just didn't know what happened to him after May 2007. The court attempted to file a protective custody warrant for Kyle. But after contacting Ramirez and her daughter, they denied knowing where he was. According to CPS, there was nine reports of abuse that were made by teachers and neighbors. But unfortunately, the case became dormant from June to July. It wasn't until August where the case was transferred to Linda Hirsch, a county social worker whose job, like literal job it was to find Kyle. So Kyle was quote, quote, missing at the time, and Ramirez was collecting social security checks for him. Hertz tried to find Kyle every month. She called, and Ramirez said that she had no idea where he was. And in January, she went to the daughter's apartment, where she talked to Ramirez in person, but was still, again, told she had no idea where Kyle was. In hindsight, we all know where Kyle was, getting abused at the Schumacher's home, being beaten, burned, starved, and treated worse than any of us would treat our own dogs. So friends of the couple knew that Kyle lived with them. They were told that they had agreed to take in Kyle because his mom was homeless. 
Neighbors knew Kyle lived with the Schumachers, especially one neighbor, Anthony Waiters. Waiters was the Schumacher's neighbor, and not only did he know that Kyle lived there and the couple was abusing him, he was also an active participant in that abuse. Kyle, um, Waiters cut and beat Kyle. He lit Kyle's pants on fire. Ramirez testified that Waters, Walters um, cut Kyle's arm poured, and poured bleach on the wound while the others held him down. And then Ramirez put salt and butter and then wrapped it in clear tape. A doctor during the trial said this would not help the wound, only to make it worse. He was beaten often and never saw an actual doctor for any of his wounds. When the bleeding wouldn't stop, they would apply wax or super glue to close the wound. On Kyle's last day of captivity, he was caught getting food from the kitchen. Lau found him, and he was locked and beaten with a meat cleaver. Schumacher and Waiters talked about killing Kyle that day. They talked about cutting his fingers off, chopping him into little bits, and throwing his body in the delta. Kyle knew he had to escape, yet he didn't think to kill him. Kyle convinced the two-year-old to get him keys from his chain, and he did. When Ramirez was upstairs sleeping, and Lau was watching TV with her children, he ran to the backyard. While Lau chased him, he jumped on a trampoline and over a retaining wall, and ran. Kyle ran until he got to that fitness center that night. He ran until he got his freedom. Kyle survived, and he graduated high school, and even went to college, where he played football. He was awarded $4 million in a settlement from Sacramento County. He moved in with his aunt and uncle, and after one the settlement, as he said, it's not just justice for me, it's for other kids all over who are struggling just like me. So, Jamie, um, you were talking about other things in the trailer. Can you, or do you know what those are? Well, I do kind of want to bring you down from the just horrific, horrificness that is Kyle's case. Because so, it is. So, in the, in the trailer, I talked about a fire that went on for two years in Tracy, California. I don't even understand how that's possible. Um, I'm sure by now all of our viewers know my fiance is a firefighter. And... If a fire started in the city that I live in, it would be out in the matter of a day, maybe two. Even these big California wildlife fires that have been happening, they're out in weeks. And these are hundreds and hundreds of acres. How can there be a trailer on fire for two years and nobody do anything about it? So... The site was actually a dump for tires. Okay. The site was actually a dump for tires. Seven million oh. illegally dumped tires, to be precise. Oh, wow. So, um, it's actually the largest tire dump fire in the nation's history at the time. I don't know if it still is, but, like, that's insane to me. You know, Bragging There's rights. a 20-acre pit. They, they stored gravel. But, like, smoke was seeping out because the whole time those, those tires were burning. Because of just the tremendous heat of Tracy California summers? Or I just don't understand. So, 
at first the firefighters were going to put the fire out, but eventually they decided to actually just let them burn themselves out because how, where the dump was located, it would be better to put the fire out than put water on it because that would actually cause a lot of ground contamination. You know, the mixture from the water and the polyrhythmic oils from the tires, like that would have been really bad for the groundwater. Well, yeah, I know that tires are pretty carcinogenic materials to burn. So I was thinking about the air, but I didn't think about the ground. I guess that does make a little sense. Yeah, eventually it was a week-long project to put the fire out, and it cost over $365,000. Yeah, over $365,000. Yeah, that sounds about right. One second, I'm going to Google why tires burn. So the act of catching a tire on fire is actually really, really hard. They, like Nicole kind of speculated, like they don't self-ignite because it's super, super hot. In fact, the tire has to be heated to at least 400 degrees Celsius or 750 Fahrenheit for a period of several minutes for it to ignite. Oh, wow. You know, once it is ignited, the stokes, the smoke coming from it, it has cyanide, common carbon monoxide, sulfur dioxide, you know, butane. Like, you can imagine just the, dis- like, the disgusting smell of the smoke from these fires. And like, again, it's a lot. the carcinogenic materials. Yeah. So, the, like, burning tires have low cond- conductivity, so they're really difficult to cool down once they're hot. And, like, so even if the outside of the tire isn't on fire, the inside of the tire could be on fire. Ooh. And if it gets hot enough, the outside could be reignited. Okay. Well, I do know that virtually anything, if hot enough, will burn. Down to asphalt, Jamie. Yeah, that makes sense. I, I don't know. I thought that, that was really surprising yeah. when Kyle told me that. I guess water won't burn. Well, it boils, so I guess, you know, it's not burning per se, but it does react to heat. Now we're in science. Oh, yeah, everything. <laughs> ha- yeah, yep. This became a science podcast. Hey, guys, welcome back to our podcast, Science with Jamie and Nicole. Do either of us know anything about science? No. Are we going to talk like we do? Yes. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> I've taken three chemistry classes i'm basically a genius okay nicole tell us what the what what tell us about low conductivity what does that do low conductivity um so something that has high conductivity like metal would be able to transfer energy low conductivity just means that it doesn't transfer energy well there you go guys that's the scientific explanation of how a fire lasted for two years in tracy california Give me my degree. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to try to put a few more of these little tidbits at the end of these because I feel like the stories that I'm finding are just like so horrific. Yeah. Um, I can't believe you keep finding these. And that, why are they always about little kids, Jamie? I don't know, man. Tracy, California is fucked up. I agree. I have such a place in my heart for children because I just feel like you know, as a as somebody that has a million and five nieces and nephews, 
And one on the way. And one on the way. Our job on this planet, in this world, in this, you know, in everything is to protect that generation. We're supposed to nurture them. We're supposed to love them. We're supposed to care for them. And these people, these twisted, sick people are taking an innocent life and scarring them for lives by, you know, torturing them and taking taking their future away from them. And like it's kind of it's kind of a little hard to talk about cuz it's like it makes me think of like my nieces and nephews and they are so innocent, all of them. Oh no, I had to take when I was writing this, I had to take several breaks. Like you can imagine like reading like there's a lot of stuff like the abuse is so extensive. I there is so much stuff I didn't mention just cuz for brevity I just didn't mention it. But like the day he the day he went missing, like they strapped him to a t- like a high chair and they beat him like his back open with a meat cleaver. <gasps> what? And like I said, like the na- okay, so one of the women that lived in the house was a Girl Scout leader, and the neighbor next door who just randomly decided to join in the beatings was an ex football coach, like a little league football coach. Oh my god. Yeah, like if you read the court scorch, uh, the court's transcripts from waiters, his whole family is like, we have no idea where this came from. This is not who he was. Like, we don't understand how this even happened. Because I guess he just never in his life heard a fly until all of a sudden he got introduced in the situation and took advantage of it. In my mind, he always had that in him. I agree. You don't just wake up one day and decide to beat a child. Well, not just beat a child, torture a child. That's sick. You are a like, sick person. I'm sorry, hold, but you're an Like holding a sick kid person. down and pouring salt on a wound that you inflicted on him. Sick. Or bleach. Can you imagine your arms cut, you have bruises everywhere, and instead of them bandaging your wound, they pour salt and butter on it? Oh, gross. Yeah, because, you know, they burnt him over and over again. That's why they put him next to the fire, so that they had easy access to warmth in order to burn him with whenever they wanted. Wow. He had, like, the pictures of him are not for the faint of heart. I'll just, I'll just put that out there. Like, so he obviously, his, na- his name when he was born was not Kyle Ramirez. And even, like, he was a minor when the court case first came out. So he's referred to as Kyle Doe in a lot of the first stuff that came out. So if you guys are interested in looking up the case and reading some of the stuff that I read, either look up Kyle Ramirez or Kyle... Kyle Doe. If you look up like Kyle Ramirez, Kyle Doe, Tracy California, they will um, bring you to the just large amounts of horrific things that I had to read in order to bring you guys this to bring you guys this super great podcast that does not make you depressed at all. Uh, maybe a little depressed. Maybe like a lot depressed. <laughs> okay, guys. Well, that's what we have for this week. Um, I will try to find you guys more fun snippets. I do know that people have speculated that Tracy, California is a hub for alien people. Mm. Well, why don't you guys DM us if you guys are interested in an alien story? So, I'm like I said, this Tracy, I have a bunch of stories about Tracy, California uh, in the works right now. I'm going to 
put it down to the best ones and then may include a few little alien facts for funsies. That sounds great. Okay, guys, have a good day. Stay safe out there. And before we go, don't forget to check us out on our Patreon page where we have exclusive content and we post things early. So I get those early releases with no ads. No ads ever. So you guys have a great night and a great week, and we'll see you next week. Yeah, stay safe, everyone. Bye. Bye.